The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Inside Out, the Inner Revolution with your host, Beth Green. This is James Maynard, your co-host. Today's topic, what do we do when it's hard to love? Love and oneness in the real world? What if your kid has dropped out of rehab yet again and you've already mortgaged your house? What if your business partner has stolen all your assets? What that if your would lover never or mate? happen. <laughs> Can you still love that person? What if your lover or mate is having an affair or has simply withdrawn emotionally? Nah. Yeah. Happens. Yeah. Uh oh. <laughs> what if your political <laughs> opponent has launched a bogus smear campaign against you? What if the government under which you have lived has arrested and tortured your friends for the crime of wanting freedom? Yeah. What if your home has been destroyed by the other side or a random drone? How do you love and should you? Is there a place for anger, even rage? What does anger do to you and your world? And how do you overcome it? And what if you don't? It's easy to talk about love and oneness, but what does that really mean? Is there a difference between love and oneness? What if it's hard to love? So stay tuned to this important discussion led by host Beth Green, who will help us look at the meaning of love and oneness in the real world. For this show, you are our guest, so call in and share. And now, here's Beth from the Inside Out. So I'm very serious. This is your show. We've been having a lot of guests lately. We haven't had a lot of callers because we haven't really had time. But get ready. James, would you give that phone number again? Yes. Please call us at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You'd think I would remember that number after the many times that I've heard it. But I would have to have that put in my phone. I hope everybody has put that phone number in their telephone (laughs) so they could just click. Anyway, well, we have so much going on. There's so much news, and the first thing is I want to tell you that in two weeks, you might call, I mean, you might tune in, it would be July 21st, and if you happen to be a live listener, and you would find that there would be no inside out in two weeks on this station at that time, but don't be alarmed, it's only because we have moved, we will have moved in two weeks, not next week. But the week after, July 21st, we are moving to the Variety Channel, which is going to be a great uh, move for us. And we are going to be at a different day, Thursdays, 3 to 4 p.m. So for those of you who live and die for listening to this show live, especially the people who call in, please be aware, two weeks from today, no Inside Out, The Inner Revolution. But on the Thursday, which is the date, uh, the 23rd of July, we are going to be on the Variety Channel from 3 to 4. And then we're going to be parked there for the next millennium, we hope. <laughs> and and this, is, this is really great because uh, Variety 
does have a larger audience, and our show is growing. We have such great guests and great callers and great topics, not to speak of a great host and co-host, right? (laughs) But uh, anyway, we are going to be making this move, and we're very grateful talking about great uh, that they're, that we're going to be doing this and very happy. So don't forget next week it's the same time same station and the week after we make this big move. So if you're looking for inside out and you have our you know our URL it's the same URL. Isn't this divine? I mean it's so easy when you're doing it on the internet. You still click on whatever that is. Voice America forward slash blah 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 inside it's the same. It's just that we're going to be parked on a different channel. <laughs> so instead of being on the Seventh Wave channel, we're going to be on the Variety channel. But it is exactly the same URL. will be very easy to find for you if you've been our listeners. And uh, we hope that you will continue to pass on these shows and do all of that good stuff. So we'll remind you of that again next week. If I remember, James, will you remember to remind me if I don't? I'll remember to remind you. Exactly. Good. All right. Now, the next bit of news is we are trying something new today. We are, James and I are going to have way more fun with the news and it's going to be more relaxing. See, James would give me the news and then I would read it in, and by the time you heard it, it was half garbled, right? <laughs> okay. Now we're going to try to solve that problem. James is going to read each news item. And since he's the one who writes them, he'll actually know what he said. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm not going to be paraphrasing. He's going to be, and then I'm going to make a comment on each news item. So let's give that a whirl. All right, take it away, James. Okay, news of the inner revolution. USA Today uh, reported on July the 1st of this year that the Girl Scouts have rejected $100,000 donation from an anti-transgender donor. In an inspiring act of moral courage, the Girl Scouts of America returned a donation of $100,000 to an anonymous donor who specified that the donation was conditioned on their not applying any of the funds to help transgender girls. The Girl Scouts took a stand for being for every girl, including transgenders. Then, in one day, they made more than double that amount through a, crowd, a crowdfunding campaign that garnered support for more than 4,000 funders, a fund of donations that went on to exceed $300,000. <laughs> I said that. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I think that is the greatest story. So, here, there are so many things that are interrevolutionary about this story. Well, you remember the interrevolution has primarily three commitments, a commitment to oneness, accountability, like oneness means we're all the same, you know, we're all one. The second thing is accountability. We're responsible for the impact of our behavior. And the third is mutual support. We support the world, the whole, and the whole supports us. But we also have in the inner revolution, and if you haven't been to our website, please go, theinnerrevolution.org, right? Um in there, we also talk about three habits, and one of the habits is courage. And, you know, it takes courage to do what the Girl Scouts did, and it takes oneness. And it, this is such a tremendous shift. It shows us the shift in the collective consciousness, which is, of course, what the inner revolution is all about. It's our shifting consciousness. It's not just that somebody protested something. It's that we're changing. We're beginning to understand our oneness. We're acting accountable. The Girl Scout says we are accountable 
for what we do, and we're not going to take this money. I think it's amazing. Now, I don't know anything about the Girl Scouts. Boo, Beth. But anyway, I mean, I, <laughs> what, I, what I mean is that, that is that we've heard a lot about the Boy Scouts, haven't we? That oh, they yeah. were discriminating against gays. So um, they were making a big shift around gay men. And I think this story about the Girl Scouts really shows us that something big is happening in our world. Okay, take it away, James. Okay, next we have a news item from China where a lesbian couple tied the knot in the push in a push for same-sex marriage. And this is reported on CNN. Same-sex marriage isn't legal in China, but that didn't deter Li Tingtang and her partner, Teresa Zhu. Dressed in white bridal gowns, they held a wedding in front of two dozen friends at a restaurant in Beijing. They had planned to try and make it official at their local registry office, but were warned against making a scene by police. <laughs> Don't make a scene, whatever you do. Behave yourself. Don't create waves. I feel like this is the right time, Lee told CNN before the wedding. We've been together for so long. In their push to get same-sex unions recognized in China, Lee and her partner said they were partly inspired by last week's decision, or a couple of weeks ago now, by the U.S. Supreme Court to extend same-sex marriage rights across all 50 states. Now, see, there is another amazing thing. How one person's courage and one group's fight can inspire another group's fight. And we've seen this. We've seen this. There was another story, which I can't remember. It was a great story. Oh, yeah, somebody was talking about if uh, Bruce Jenner can become Caitlyn uh, Jenner, then, then we should have more freedom in Syria or something like that. Yeah. It, it, do you remember that, James? Yes, uh, but it was Afghanistan. Oh, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what? <laughs> everybody knows that my my memory is poor, uh, and I like to blame my age, but it's always been this way. But anyway, um, this is so exciting to see that something like this, like the Supreme Court decision, is rippling across the world, and that that is so courageous of those Chinese women, don't you think? Oh yes. Okay, now do we have one more gay rights story? Yes, we do. Okay. Uh, There's another ripple. Just days after the U.S. Supreme Court legalized gay marriage nationwide, Episcopalians voted overwhelmingly to allow gay marriage in their churches. Imagine that. Well, they have been very uh, progressive in terms of gays, but now they're uh, they're really formally adopting that nationally they are supporting gay marriage. And I think we did have actually one more story. Well, there is a, a Gallup poll that shows that according to a recent Gallup poll, over 60% of Americans would vote for a gay, Jewish, or Muslim candidate for president. How about now, that? Now, that's amazing. Okay, those of you who remember the day when uh, John F. Kennedy ran for president, he was under attack for being a Catholic. I mean, a Catholic. <laughs> I used to think that Catholics were Christians. And, and, and so I do thought, they. <laughs> and, and I thought that this was a Christian country, very dominated by Christians. I mean, a Jew I could understand, but a Catholic. But that just goes to show you how incredibly bigoted and separated we were. And I think we're beginning to really come, most of us are beginning to come together. And I honestly believe that those people who do not support these kinds of changes they don't believe what they're saying. Okay, throw confetti at me or whatever it is, paper wads, 
I don't think there is any human being with who, who has any, like, who's human. I mean, like, who is not in a coma. That's what I mean by that. That I think everybody knows that um, all, we're all one. You know, I remember in The Merchant of Venice, the uh, Shylock, you know, said, when you prick us or don't we bleed. I mean, we all bleed. We all hurt. We all have needs. And it's taken us an awful long time to realize this, whether it's immigrants or it's, you know, it's gays or, in fact, I have to, I'm going to give you a sneak preview of next week's show. It's going to be fabulous. We're going to be talking about the impact of the Supreme Court ruling on the legalization of gay marriage across all 50 states. And it's not going to be your typical story about, oh, yeah, we had so many votes and this and that and the other thing. No, it's going to be an inside-out story because we're going to talk to two couples, a lesbian couple and a a male-gay couple, and we're going to talk to them about how they are being impacted by this decision and what they've gone through. One couple has already been married a long time. The other couple isn't. So it is going to be fascinating. It's going to be an inside-out story on gay marriage. James, didn't we have one more on gays on that, yes, uh, that the, yes, there evangelical? Is, uh, yes, that's right. In a current commentary for the Huffington Post, a Portland, Oregon pastor, Adam Phillips, challenges Christians who use religion to push bigotry in his article, Dead Wrong About the Bible. And he, he has been cut off by his parent religious organization, the Evangelical Covenant Church. But instead of backing down, he has moved forward, welcoming to his church people of every kind, including the LGBT population, writing publicly about it and attending a gay pride event. Yeah. So look at the risks that people need to take. Again, it seems like courage seems to be a big theme for us today, that even though people are becoming more and more aware and more and more, or I should say less and less, uh, prejudiced and bigoted. It still takes courage to stand up. I mean, we did have those, uh, you know, fires, arsons at those uh, South Carolina black church. And uh, I mean, there's plenty of resistance out there to coming together as one world. But more and more people are doing it, and we're seeing these kind of courageous stands, and I just love it. And this is all symbols to me that there is an inner revolution taking place in our consciousness. And do we have another story, James? Uh, yes, we got a couple of them. Um, I think the biggest one is that the Dutch citizens sued yes. their government over climate change and won. Almost 900 Dutch citizens, including teachers, entrepreneurs, grandparents, and students, united to sue their government for its inaction on climate change. In a decision likely to reverberate across the world, the court ordered the state to reduce emissions by 25% within five years to protect its citizens from climate change. And this was after uh, the government had uh, only agreed to reduce their emissions by 14 to 17% compared to 1990, levels by 2020. Uh, so, but given the scale of the threat posed by climate change, the Dutch citizens won their suit to make their government step step up their game and reduce their their contribution to climate change. I, I think that's another fantastic story, don't you? Because we had a whole bunch of stories about prejudice and gays and all in, in the beginning, especially in honor of the Supreme Court decision. Because actually, the news is full of fascinating stories that demonstrate to us that there is an inner revolution taking place. But this one. 
you know, we had a climate uh, change uh, interview like two weeks ago. Uh, John Davis, we were talking from the Climate Reality Project. If you did not hear that, you should go back and listen to that co- podcast. He's talked about the papal, the papal encyclical. <laughs> <laughs> he yes. talked about the Paris conference coming up, and uh, and uh, you know we were talking about how you know people are mobilizing. Now that is an example of mobilization for climate action that was just like blew my mind, and that the world is changing enough for the Dutch courts to recognize that something drastic has to be done. So I am impressed. Well, and I'm impressed with you, James. It was delightful having you do the news. And I didn't have to stumble and bumble. And I have to, I must say, I have to, uh, I think it was much better than when I did it. So <laughs> moving right along, uh, before we go to station break, I want to talk a little bit about the topic of the day, which is when it's hard to love. Now, I have to admit that I don't always feel loving. And I don't always think it's right to be loving and to act loving. Now, there's a difference between this kind of like uh, love, oneness. But if you've got a child in a home, and for example, that child is being molested, and the mother or the father, whoever is the molester, says, oh, but I love that child, and if you loved me, you would let me stay with that child. You, you don't do that. Right? Abuse is abuse and it needs to be stopped. So, you know, you can't say, oh, you should have unconditional love for me. It's different. You can say, yes, I can have unconditional love for you, meaning I can feel my oneness with you. I can feel my, that you are another human being. I can feel compassion for your suffering, but I'm not going to let you get away with murder. And a lot of people think that unconditional love means that you get away with murder. So we are going to talk about that and more when we come back from Station Break. So stick around, stay tuned, and call in. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Revolutionize your life and your world with a new attitude and a new way of being. Learn how at www.bethgreen.org. At Beth's website, you will find effective tools, processes, teachings, and more to help you become the person you want to be and co-create the world you want to live in. Sign up for Beth's newsletter and get a free PDF of her comprehensive book, Living with Reality, a manual for living with real answers and proven tools. Book a private 15-minute consultation with Beth that will astound you with its depth and transformative power. Learn about Beth's other books, YouTube channel, School of Intuitive Counseling, music, upcoming workshops, trainings, and remarkable community. The Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which offers all kinds of help, including low-fee counseling and free support. The inner revolution requires us to heal our hearts and awaken our minds. Find both at Beth's website. Again, that's bethgreen.org. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're tuned in to Inside Out, Voice of the Inner Revolution, with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To share your questions and comments, please call 1-866-472-5795. 
That's 1-866-472-5795. Now, back to Inside Out. Hi there. Welcome back to Inside Out, the Inner Revolution. Well, where do we begin with this unconditional love stuff and what is the difference between... And, and, and is there a place for anger? And I say that there's a level on which I can love everybody. I can love... Every, you know, if somebody comes... You know I'm a counselor. Most of you out there already know. Uh, I'm a counselor and I've been a counselor for over 35 years. Somebody walks into my office and I can feel my love and compassion for them right away. I don't care who you are. I, I've often said, and I, I know that this is true. It's not just a belief. I know it. That if Adolf Hitler came and sat down in my office, because I don't do it that way anymore. <laughs> I do it remotely. But I would feel love for him because I would be getting underneath all that facade. See, I'd be getting into where your pain comes from and why you did it. And then the, the love would just automatically pour out because I would be connecting to the real person. But when somebody is just pushing something in my face that isn't real, like a totally egoic reaction, if Adolf Hitler came in and he started spouting, you know, stuff about Jews and, uh, you know, I have lost almost all of my family in the Holocaust, well, uh, I I would not, I know that I'd get angry. I know it. Uh, I'm not going to be dishonest. I would feel anger towards him at that moment. Now, then I would remind myself that inside him is some kind of a scared child who's acting like a complete idiot, okay? But I would definitely feel anger. Now, is anger appropriate? Well, if he's my client, my job would be, I would not feel that anger because I'd be getting right into him. You know, I'd be looking at him and say, okay, Adolf, uh, who beat you when you were a child, right? And, and, and I would see him. I would see underneath him. But if, uh, if uh, Adolf Hitler is, uh, is marching into my town uh, and, uh, in Oregon, you know, and he's uh, rallying all the skinheads and they're killing cats, I mean, I'd feel a lot of anger in that moment because he would not be coming to me for help and I would, he would not be coming to me as a person. I would not feel that. So if there is a difference in the way I feel when somebody actually is willing to talk to me in any kind of an honest way. I feel entirely different. I don't care what you've done. I don't care if you've hurt me. I mean, I've had that experience over and over and over. I have proof of that, that even when people have hurt me badly, I can become instantly forgiving if I can make a connection with them and I can feel our oneness. And isn't that fascinating? On the other hand, if Hitler comes in with his uh, skinheads and um, they're, uh, they're raping and pillaging and doing all of that, I would go to my fellow uh, uh, you know, comrades in the town and say, we have to do something about this. This is not acceptable behavior. This, is, this must be stopped. And I'm sure that I would feel a kind of a sense of outrage that this behavior had to be stopped. Now, see, I can feel outrage about this behavior. And at the same time, I can always look for and be willing to feel a connection with a person. And I think when I feel a connection, I automatically feel love. It, you don't even have to think about it. It's not a moral issue. It's a natural 
human experience to feel love for something that you feel connected to. When you have a puppy that looks at you with those adorable little eyes, you know, it's like you feel a connection, a heart connection with that little creature. And um, it's, it's amazing. I'd like to add something, if I may. And that is, uh, I find it hardest to love someone if we're in a disagreement and they're yelling at me. And uh, it's hard for me to maintain that connection, that loving, unconditional sort of uh, we're connected, we're in the oneness together sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, I, then I find myself going into defensiveness, reactivity, uh, point-counterpoint, and judgmentalism. And when I start judging another person negatively, that cuts off the flow of love. Yes. Well, I can totally understand that, uh, James. And at the same time, I feel like that's been used. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, oh, I can't hear it. You know, I, if somebody is standing on my foot, and my very first reaction might be, uh, you're on my foot. Then if I say you're on my foot and you're still standing and then you stomp harder, I'm saying you're on my foot. And then if you say, well, uh, I, I don't like the way you're talking to me. And then I say, you're on my foot. Then I start pushing. It's like I have no choice but to, um, you know, to respond in a way that will bring to that other person's awareness that they're standing on my foot. People are just like deaf and blind to what they do. So I think that anger is a necessary, well, let me tell you what, I, what came up in the book, Living with Reality. Living with Reality is a 688-page book. Don't be daunted because it's, it's a book that you can read in sections and it has a lot of, uh, you know, platform chapters and so on. You don't have to read it all at once. In fact, people take a long time to read this book. And it really is a handbook for living. And in, in it, it's so many questions are answered that people have in their minds about how to live, about how to make decisions, about uh, how to make amends. And one of the things that is answered in that book is this question about anger. That every aspect of ourselves, you know, we talk about the oneness, but we are one too. Every aspect of myself is holy, is sacred, is part of God. So anger is part of God. Now, we all know that the New Testament, not the New Testament, the Old Testament is full of anger, and so is the Quran. And, uh, you know, there's, in my opinion, um, so there's lots of anger. God has anger. And, I, I, you know, but I'm not supposed to have anger, because I guess I'm better than God, you know. I, I should be able to be above that. But you see, it isn't true, because I'll tell you what, what, uh, what I wrote in Living with Reality, this is what came to me at the time, is that anger is an aspect of our consciousness. But the problem isn't that we're angry. It's the problem is that we get stuck in that anger. And that the purpose of anger is to make us aware that something is wrong. If someone is stepping on my foot and I don't feel pain because I'm numb, I can't ask them to remove it. If I don't feel anger, I may not even realize that something bad is happening. It's like a natural instinct. If, a, if somebody came into my house and uh, tried to hurt my dog, my first reaction would be anger because something is happening 
that shouldn't happen. That's wrong, okay? And then I would try to stop the person. I would use the least amount of force possible to stop that behavior. And then I would just escalate until, you know, I, I was able to solve the problem. So the experience of anger is something which is natural and it tells us that something is wrong. Now, sometimes what it tells us is that we're having a crazy reaction and that's what's wrong. <laughs> you know, if someone comes towards me and, and tells me something about myself that I really need to know and that is honest and true about me, I might get angry, but that's just my ego talking. See, because that is true. So then I can see by my anger that I'm in my ego. But it's not really that I'm angry, um, that I, my soul, is angry at this because my soul really needs to hear the truth. Now, let's go back to the example of uh, somebody stepping on my foot. Somebody is stepping on my foot. They need to become aware that they're hurting me. Sometimes it's totally accidental, right? It's like, you know, when when all of a sudden you step on the dog and you hear it cry, it, that's how you become aware that you, oh my God, that you've done something. Now, to get angry at the dog for crying because you're hurting it is ego. We should be grateful in our souls. We're grateful because we're being made aware that we're doing something hurtful and abusive. But so often when we're in the habit of doing hurtful and abusive things, we don't want to be made aware of the fact that we're doing them because then we're going to have to stop them. So then we get angry at the person who's delivering the message. So, James, sometimes people say that, oh, you said this wrong or it was such a stern way, whatever it is. Sometimes it's just information and you or anybody else who's doing this doesn't want to hear that information. You don't want to have to change that behavior. You don't want to be accountable for your behavior. So then suddenly you get angry at the other person. So now, now you're angry at the person that you're hurting. See, my, my ego tells me that I'm beyond question. <laughs> I'm beyond questioning. If I did it, it must be right. If I said it, it must be right. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> Where are the yes men and the yes women when I need them? <laughs> really? But, you know, your soul, your soul does not need that. So what we need is to have the right dose of anger, like, you know, a little salt or pepper, right? Mm-hmm. A little do- dose of anger that says, uh-oh, there's something wrong. The Nazis party is taking over our town. We need to mobilize. Otherwise, we could say, oh, yeah, well, so-and-so had a bad day. Or, you know, they're, they were beaten, but there's a, they're bullies because their fathers beat them. Now, you know, we can't just sit there. We have to feel this moment of outrage uh, of what people are doing to one another, not just to us, but to others. We don't feel, and to, to animals and so on. If we don't feel outrage, then we may not get off our butts and say anything and get mobilized and get motivated to go beyond our apathy and our fear. But then we don't move into anger and make that our you know, our new home. James, why don't you say our phone number again? We don't have any callers, which is really unusual for a call-in show. People usually are like, people have gotten, I don't know, maybe they've gotten out of the habit of calling, but today you're allowed to call, so. Okay, then. So if you'd like to call in with a comment or a question, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. 
5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. So thank you, James. So what I'm saying is number one, we are one. I know that. And one of the ways that I can deal with my anger is to remind myself that I am that other person. So I have the same characteristics. If I see somebody being hurtful needlessly towards someone else, I may feel a moment of anger and rage, and I'm separating from them, and I say, boy, what a jerk so-and-so is, right? Now, that's where anger should not take us. It's fine when anger or outrage is telling us there's something wrong and it needs to be addressed, but then when it takes me, when the ego takes over and says, you see, well, I'm such a good person and they're such a crappy person, well, uh, then I'm lost. Then I'm completely lost in my ego. Because I'm sure that if I got really honest, I could see ways in which I have that same behavior, but it may not look exactly the same. Maybe I'm domineering also, and I want to dominate, or I'm abusive, and I don't want to take accountability for it. So, see, there it is. So, there, at that moment, I might feel the anger, I might feel the outrage, but I don't want to separate and pretend that I'm holier than thou. And this is what happens in politics, doesn't it? People yes. get take sides, get angry at each other, and act like they're all saints. And I don't know any saints, much less millions. <laughs> so we have a caller now. We have a couple of callers. Thank you. Helen from California. Hi, Hi, Helen. I love hearing James read the news with his radio voice. Oh, I'm so glad that you said that. Okay, James, you're hired. You have the, <laughs> we're doubling the salary that you didn't All have right. before. Yes. I love the topic of the show today about when it's hard to love. Um, I've had a lot of experience with that. <laughs> <laughs> um. I'm a counselor, as you are, and I think that's the easiest place for, for me to love people when they're being difficult. But with my husband, my drug-addicted daughter, my, I don't know what to call my father. <laughs> <laughs> Your father. <laughs> um, it's much harder. It's much harder in my personal life yeah. to feel that love when they're doing something self-destructive or they're doing something mean to me or just something that I disagree with vehemently. Yeah. It's very difficult for me to maintain that loving energy. And I also loved what you said about sometimes you shouldn't be loving. You should be angry. Yes. And uh, I've sometimes had a hard time doing that, but I'm getting better. Why do you think um, it's been so hard for you to be angry, Helen? It's been hard for me to be angry at people that deserve it. Yeah, but why, why do you think that it's been hard for you to be angry? Why is it? Yes. Because I bet I you that we have listeners. I am addicted what? to having their love even when they aren't being loving to me. Which makes no sense, but let me say it differently. I think I've been addicted to maintaining the connection even when it isn't loving. You know what just occurred to me when you said that is when they are not being loving towards you and, okay, everybody has a bad hair day, right? But we're talking about consistent abusiveness, right? Yeah. When someone is being consistently abusive towards you, 
your need to make them love you goes up because they are not being loving. You, you want to feel their love. And so you're not going to show them you're angry because you're afraid that that will give them justification for being even more abusive. This way, if you're nice, you can kind of seduce them into to being uh, nicer to you. Yep. Sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, that just occurred to me. I'm so glad you brought that up because I, I am certain that there are lots of uh, listeners out there who do the same thing and who are pretending to themselves that they're spiritually evolved, that they're so evolved that they're just loving. But actually, they're scared shitless of the impact of actually confronting some behavior. And again, you know, you, tr- you always use the least amount of force possible. You know, you confront something quietly and then you get louder and louder and louder and then finally you mobilize. And you, you know, how ma- Let's talk about global warming for a minute. How many years have scientists and other people been telling us that the climate is changing and that there is a problem? And, and primarily nobody listened and the energy the providers didn't listen and the government didn't listen and the politicians didn't care because they were only listening to the people who uh, supported the other companies, the, like the coal companies and so on. And, um, you know, we've look how this nation and how our world is our entire infrastructure is in crisis because of this, and people were apathetic. And so that outrage, you know, people became more and more outraged. Those who are really fighting it, you know, could feel very impotent. It's like, oh, you see something horrible happening, and and you're perilous, and there's nothing you can do about it. And that engenders feelings of of anger because we feel helpless and we start getting more strident. It's really when somebody gives us the power to talk and have a conversation that we can actually start feeling our love and our connection and have that conversation, whether that conversation is about a personal relationship or something as, as extensive as uh, climate change. I completely concur. It's a great point you're making. Thank you, Helen. And so notice when you get angry. And, and maybe the reason you're angry is not only that you have been treated abusively, but that the abuse continues because you feel obliged to shut up about it. So thank you for your call. We're going to go to commercial break and stick around because there's lots more on Inside Eye, the Inner Revolution. Thank you. Bye. Bye. is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Revolutionize your life and your world with a new attitude and a new way of being. Learn how at www.bethgreen.org. At Beth's website, you will find effective tools, processes, teachings, and more to help you become the person you want to be and co-create the world you want to live in. Sign up for Beth's newsletter and get a free PDF of her comprehensive book, 
Living with Reality, a manual for living with real answers and proven tools. Book a private 15-minute consultation with Beth that will astound you with its depth and transformative power. Learn about Beth's other books, YouTube channel, School of Intuitive Counseling, music, upcoming workshops, trainings, and remarkable community. The Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which offers all kinds of help, including low-fee counseling and free support. The inner revolution requires us to heal our hearts and awaken our minds. Find both at Beth's website. Again, that's BethGreen.org. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You're tuned in to Inside Out, Voice of the Inner Revolution, with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To share your questions and comments, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Now, back to Inside Out. Hi there. Welcome back to Inside Out. Today we are talking about when it's hard to love. And how to be loving and still feel oneness and when to be angry and is there a place for anger. So there was one thing before we get to our next callers. Uh, Thank you for calling in. Um, I want to point out that the book I was talking about, Living with Reality, that talks about it's in that chapter, Becoming Integrated, is about, uh, you know, how every aspect of our consciousness has a part, but we just can't let one aspect take us over. That is a free download on our website. You go to theinnerrevolution.org, and you'll see you uh, click somewhere, and you subscribe to our newsletter, and you get this book free as a PDF file. So now our next caller is Todd from San Diego. Hi. Hi. Welcome, Todd. I like what you've been saying, and I've been listening, and I listened to what Helen had to share as well, and um, I think I'm in that boat. Which boat? <laughs> well, uh, uh, the boat of not, it's, it's kind of like all over the place. Sometimes not wanting to confront people because I'm afraid how they're going to respond and they're going to see me as a, you know, as mean or something like that. Yeah. But then it, it's conditional based on who they are. Like my children, I'm not, I'm not concerned at all whether you think I'm mean or not. <laughs> oh, I love that. I mean, time. I don't want them to see me as mean, but that doesn't stop me from intervening with them in, in, you know, in mean ways sometimes. Like, I, yeah. you know, I like what you said about using the amount of force necessary. I think I, well, I, I use force, and then, the, then I, that force is met with resistance. So I pour on more force, which is met with more resistance. So I'd like to figure out how to get out of that game. <laughs> Because it doesn't seem to work. Well, you know, that's a very good point that you're making. And one of the things that, of course, you can do is really look at the person and try to understand their behavior. And that's where oneness really comes in handy. You know, if we look at each other as cardboard characters, like in a video game, uh, you know, then we will never do anything uh, except use more force, which, as we know, is going to cause more resistance. I mean, the beauty of oneness in a situation like that, as we can say, now what is it that's going on here that is maybe uh, causing this person to behave this way? And that's mm-hmm. a very important tool that we have uh, in, you know, from our understanding of ourselves. Well, why would I do that? You know, that's true in the political arena too. 
you yeah. know, why are people taking on some of these positions which are very negative? Well, what, why, what would make me do that? Yeah. Yeah, and I think you had another point you wanted to make. Um, the other, well, well I, think I don't remember your point what it was. was. Okay, I think your point was that it depends that you use or don't use anger and force depending on how, uh, how powerless the other person is. Yeah, like how, how well do I think, you know, certain people I just wouldn't even, you know, I mean, I, I try and be a little bit more civil, you know. <laughs> more diplomatic. Yeah, but it, that doesn't always work either because then I'm not really being honest. Yeah. Yeah, so I can see all the pitfalls in this whole conversation about, you know, how to be loving when you don't feel loving. Uh, it's really, like you said, about uh, putting yourself in their shoes and yes. seeing myself. Like I had this situation with my son yesterday where I just, I just, I was having the hardest time with his negativity. And it was, you know, I was trying to just relax and just give him space to be. And it didn't shift until he went into his guitar class. And then just something, you know, magically happened in there that changed his whole energy. And he came out and was a different person. Well, you know. But I know uh, I was contributing to it. You know, like. Yeah. There's yeah. a dynamic that exists in the, in between him and I where we get into yeah. this battle, and then it just it's kind of like a chronic condition. Uh, yes, a, a chronic power struggle, and yeah. then once once we're in that power struggle, we bring that into every inter, interaction that we have with that person, even yeah. when nothing has happened yet. It's like we're programmed. For power struggle, and yeah, I think that's, that that's what ex- that's what the experience is. I mean, it does shift away from that, and there are times when we're able to just. But it's it seems to be that a lot, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, I'd love to make one more uh, comment about that, and then uh, I'll let you go because we do have another caller. Um, yeah. I I think that when you said that he came out different when he was in his guitar class, so to find out what it was that happened to him would be so useful. For example, maybe he felt good about himself when he was in that class. Maybe he felt good about the way he was playing. Or maybe he just connected to the music and it took him out of his ego. Mm-hmm. There are things to find out about that and have a conversation with him and say, gee, you were so different when you came out. What do you think happened? Right. And then we get to right. learn. That will help you to understand him. I know that the more we understand one another, the, the, the easier it is for us to return to, uh, to the oneness and to the love. As yeah. long as we realize that that doesn't mean that we have to be patsies and take all kinds of crap from people. Yeah. But see, we, we don't have to... I just had an to... insight, too, which uh, another part is, I think, just looking at my own um, filter that I'm bringing to the conversation about him and acknowledging that. Yeah. That could help, too. Absolutely. So you're getting out of that power struggle will end the power struggle. It's like when you play tug of war and one person lets go, you know, you fall down. So (laughs) it takes, yeah, it does take two to be in a power struggle. And sometimes uh, the person gets a kick out of getting you revved up. So let's not forget that. So I have to go. Very good call. Thank you so much for calling, Todd, because we want to make make room for Elizabeth, who is our last caller, and she's also calling from San Diego. Welcome, Elizabeth. Hi, thanks for taking my call. 
Um, I don't know if I have to say as much different than what was said already, but I thought I would stay on the call. <laughs> um, uh, the example that came up for me is talking with someone who appears to want to change, but their behaviors state that they're not wanting to change. And I get so angry mm-hmm. at, at people like that. And it's like, I, I well, don't know how to not, not be angry. Okay. Well, first of all, if uh, let me remind you what we've already covered today. It's good that you get angry for a moment because your mm-hmm. anger is telling you that something is wrong. Now the next question is what is wrong? Okay. And that's of course that would also apply to Todd and his kids. Well, what is wrong? What is it that's making me angry? So instead of just saying I'm an I'm an asshole or they're assholes or whatever. Okay. What is bringing up this anger? What is wrong? Well, it could be for example, that this person is trying to manipulate you. They're telling mm-hmm. you that they're, wanting to, that they're going to change or they're wanting to change because of something that they want from you. They're eliciting a certain response from you, and yet they're not delivering on that. If, you're, if, if they're not doing that and you feel angry, that's telling you that you're being manipulated over and over and over and that you need to take a new look. You can say, okay... I will continue to be in a relationship with you because I want to be, or I don't have to be. I can feel love for you and still leave. See, we're not obliged to stay in abusive relationships. Mm-hmm. And, and if someone is, not, is telling me I'm committed to change because at that moment they're feeling fear, they are not truly making amends to you or trying to take accountability for their behavior towards you, they could prob- they're probably just trying to protect themselves from the consequences of you getting angry and leaving. So in that moment that you realize that, you can get over being angry. You can just take the next step. See, it's amazing. When you take the step that you need to take, the anger can go away because the anger has a purpose which is to move us forward. If we are, uh, for, go, let's go back to a social issue. If we're angry about a certain policy that is discriminatory towards women, for example, uh, and we feel our anger about that, then that motivates us to move forward and do something about it. But we can't be, do anything if we stay angry because we get stupid. Anger makes us, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We lose control of ourselves. We're not even analyzing the situation. Once we have gotten angry, then we can say, all right, I I get it. There is something wrong. Now, what can I do? And I start to move into action and into mobilizing. I have felt such a change in me since our show shifted over to the inner revolution. And similarly, since our you know, our community, the stream, became the innerrevolution.org. I have felt a tremendous shift in me. I feel much less angry than I used to feel. And that's because I'm doing something. We're doing something. This show is doing something to help make the shift on the planet that is so desperately needed. So when I pick up the paper and I read that some other absolutely horrible thing has happened... I don't I do not focus on it. I'm looking for the signs of change and I'm looking for how I can support those changes. So when you feel angry, um, Elizabeth, and you 
use that to inform yourself that there's something wrong and you explore what that something wrong is and you make a commitment to taking action, you don't need that anger anymore. And I think you'll see that you can let it go. And the more compassion and understanding you have of the other person, the more likely you'll be able to choose the right action. So we have to go, but I hope that helped. Thank you. Thank you, Elizabeth. Okay, James. Okay, next week. Yes. Our next next edition of Inside Out will be Gay Marriage from the Inside Out. Meet two diverse couples who will share their journey with us. Thanks to the Supreme Court, same-sex marriage is now legal in all the states. But what does that actually mean for gay people? Gay marriage is not just a political slogan or an opportunity for benefits and legal status. Any kind of marriage is a choice and a challenge. On this show, we'll talk about gay marriage from the inside out. Meet two very diverse couples, Larry and Corey, who live in a southern state where same-sex marriage has not been legal. They've been together eight years, but they never before had to confront the question, should we marry? Deborah and Heidi have been together over 30 years. They live in California, took commitment vows in 1993. Their ceremony, by the way, was the subject of an Academy Award-nominated documentary. They have two children they birthed and have been legally married under California law since 2008. Each couple has had to face social and family challenges, and each deals with issues we all face in relationship, issues of caring, cold feet, love, and commitment. So tune in. And now, a final word from Beth. Thank you, James. I love this, uh, this show coming up about gay marriage because, uh, or same-sex marriage is probably more accurate, because people tend to think of each other in kind of cardboard character way. I mean, this one is a fascist, and this one is a Democrat, and this one is a liberal, and this one is gay, and this one is straight, and this, like, people are that simple. But people aren't that simple. And when it comes to something like same-sex marriage, there are so many issues that are involved that have to do with individual issues and problems and fears and so on, and then it's ones that have been socially created by people being gay, and we are going to get on the inside of this. This is not a headline. It's a reality. This is a big change in our world. And I remember when uh, marrying uh, someone of a different race uh, was illegal. (laughs) I mean, you know, like, wow. There's been a lot of movement there. But again, if you were in a couple, a black and white couple, for example, and suddenly it was legal, well, are you going to get married or aren't you going to get married? And what are the other issues that are coming up? So I'm just so thrilled that we have these two fabulous couples who are in different places in their relationship, in their commitment, in their lives, who are going to share with us from the inside out, since not every one of us has had that experience ourselves. So I have truly enjoyed our show today, and I want to thank you again, James, for having done the news. My pleasure. And I look forward to uh, seeing all of you next week. So remember, next week we're still on Tuesdays, 3 to 4 Pacific. Bye. Thank you for making us a part of your week. Listen for the next edition of Inside Out, Voice of the Inner Revolution with Beth Green and James Maynard next Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Think outside the box and have a great week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.